Well, then we're going to do a check-in on New Year's resolutions in just a moment. I'm going to let you know why they do not matter at all. That's good news. But before we get to that, so I was having dinner with a friend last night in Menlo Park, where I used to live. She lives over the hill in Santa Cruz, and I live here, so Menlo Park's about halfway. There's a great Mediterranean place that I love. And we met there for dinner last night and had a wonderful conversation. But after dinner, we took a little walk. We skipped dessert. Remember, I'm on the dessert thing. So if you see me reaching for one of those cinnamon pull-aparts, you have permission to slap my hand. But after, uh, after a wonderful dinner, we went for a little walk through this little boutique area, and there's coffee shops and bars and restaurants and uh, furniture stores and uh, art galleries and stuff like that, and we were kind of walking through there together. And here's a, here's a homeless lady, and she's putting out her bedroll. You know, over there, you can't just camp like you do here. You got to pick it up every, every day and go pick up your bed. You can't leave it lying there like Oakland, Alameda, Berkeley. Um, so she was putting out her bedroll, carefully laying everything out. She had a mattress. She had a couple blankets. Really a, a pretty good thing. But in the furniture store behind her, boutique, you know, high-end furniture store behind her, through the glass is a king-size bed made up. And, and I just thought about the contrast, and I said, yeah, we live in a world like that, huh? We got people sleeping on the streets and, and beds set up in, uh, in high-end furniture stores. That's the kind of contrast. Not only over there in the peninsula, over here, everywhere, that's what we live with. But I digress, and I haven't even begun. So back to the New Year's resolutions and the check-in. You know, it's January 12th, so by now we've blown it, right? We, we've, we've tried for this, and we've tried for that, and we've resolved for the other, and we thought, you know, maybe this will be the year 2020, and we'll get a little traction, we'll finally come to where we want to be, and our, our lives will be improved, and, uh, you know, it's just not like that, let me tell you, I've tried, there's no magic in a new year, it's just another day, December 31st becomes January 1st, it's just another day, but every day is a good day, and that's the place we begin from, okay? You seen the workout shirts every darn day, right? Except it doesn't say darn. Every day is a good day. Anybody like to eavesdrop? Raise your hands up high. Who likes to eavesdrop? You lie. Put them up. Put them up. We like to listen in, right? So back to the restaurant last night in Menlo Park, and we kind of closed the place down. It was busy when we came in. By the time we were done eating, it had, you know, there's only a couple tables left. One where we were and one right behind us was two couples, and they were yakking it up. And uh, my friend got up to use the restroom, and so I kind of, you know how shy I am. I joined in with their conversation. I said, I heard you talking about such and such, and, you know, we're having fun. And then they're like, yeah, and we heard you talking about such and such. And then we're, because we love to listen in, right? We love to get the 411. Well, Isaiah chapter 42 is, is an eavesdropper's delight. So if you have a, a, a Bible with you, 
or a, a smartphone or a tablet or a Bible in the pew, or if you have a scroll in the original, you know, Greek language, feel free to roll that bad boy out. Aramaic Hebrew, I guess, we're in the, we're in the Old Testament. Isaiah 42, beginning in verse 1, is what uh, scholars, originally there was a German scholar who, who labeled these certain passages in Isaiah as servant songs. Isaiah 42 is a servant song. And so my Bible has, and you, you know the italicized titles in your Bible are not inspired, right? That's not a part of the record. But it says, the servant, a light to the nations. So, so here it begins, and it's God the Father speaking through the prophet Isaiah. So it's like we're listening in as God is talking through the prophet, through the agency of the prophet. God the Father is speaking to God the Son in these servant songs. And we get a front row seat, full audio. We don't have to strain. Here is my servant, says God. Here is my servant whom I uphold. My chosen in whom my soul delights. Remember that from the baptism in Matthew chapter 4? The Spirit comes down, descends as a dove. The heavens open and, and the Father exclaims, You are my Son, I love you, I'm proud of you. You can hear the blessing of a father to his son in this passage. I delight in you, which just as an aside, dads, we need to delight in our children, our sons and our daughters. And grandma and grandpa, let me say the same thing to you, auntie and uncle, listen up. These kids need our blessing. They need for us to delight in them. They need for us to say how proud we are of them. They need to be hugged. They need to be held. Fathers, love your daughters, your sons. Delight in them. That's the best thing in the world that you can do for someone, and it gives them the greatest foundation in life. I hope you've had dads and moms. I hope you've had aunts and uncles. I hope you've had grandparents who have delighted in you. God the Father delights in God the Son. He says in verse 1, I've put my spirit on him, and he will bring forth justice to the nations. It's, it's like that moment where God is speaking to everyone about his Son who's right here. You've had that experience, right? Someone's talking about you, and you're like, Hey, I'm right here. That's what's going on here. God's pride is, is brimming over. And he's talking to people about his son, the one that he's chosen, and, and his mission. I've, put, I've placed my spirit on him, and he will bring forth justice to the nations. Jesus will bring justice and righteousness. Now, our Jewish friends read this text, and they don't see Jesus at all. They see this as uh, uh, inspiration for the nation. 
Israel, you're my child, I've chosen you, or for us collectively or individually. It works like that, but it works better with Jesus. How will he be? How will it happen? How will we experience this servant? The father continues. Verse 2, he will not cry out or lift his voice or make it heard in the street. Let's stop there. He's not going to draw attention to himself. He's just going to sort of be present. He's going to be among you. He's going to be with you. And we hear this stuff and we know that's Jesus and that's how he was, but that's, that's speaking through him because we, you and I, are in Christ that's speaking to us. How do we come across? How do we act? How do we... We don't draw attention to ourselves. Look here at me. We're representatives of another. And we're just compassionately, consistently present with people who need us, people in pain, people struggling, people lost, people looking for direction, people needing encouragement. We are with them as Jesus was with us, and we're not going to make that big of a deal of it. We're just going to do stuff. Man, I want you to do something. Do something for someone. And don't make a big deal out of it. Don't even let them know it's you. Do it secretly. Do it anonymously. Do something for someone, right? God is good. All the time. And the church awakens. Good morning, First Baptist. More about Jesus. How will we experience in verse 3 a bruised reed? A bruised reed it will not break. A dimly burning wick he will not quench. I, the NIV is engraved in my head. A, a, a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. Jesus just comes to us, the servant of the Lord. He comes to us in our infirmity. He comes to us in our imperfection. He comes to us in our pain. He comes to us in our struggle. He comes to us in our loss. And he meets us at that place. And he knows that we're vulnerable. He knows that we're vulnerable, that we're like hanging out there, that we're exposed. Because we come to God raw. We come as we are. Because we've evolved well, right? And we know we're not playing around anymore. There's no pretension with God. There's no pretending. He's, he's real. We know it. He knows us. We go to Him just as we are. And we go with the confidence that we're like this wick that's barely still going on your candle, right? And it's fluttering and it's about to go out. It's when your candle's all liquid, right? Because it's been burning for hours and it's all liquid and the the wick is just barely going, and a, a, a stiff breeze could blow it. We're like that. We're not like this blazing, burning torch. We're about to go out. But he's, he's going to come in and, and put his hands around and protect us from that breeze. He's going to see our vulnerability, and he's never going to exploit it because he loves us. He's going to come to us and nurture us. That's my kind of Jesus. Man, that's what I need. As I'm rushing through life at a frantic pace, sometimes I forget to even do my daily meditation. 
vulnerable. I'm an at-risk youth. Okay, I'm at risk. <laughs> Verse 4, He will not grow faint or be crushed until He's established justice in the earth and the coastlands. Wait for His teaching. That's us. California. We wait. The coast waits for justice, for righteousness, for compassion. And God is saying, in essence, God is speaking in the assembly of the gods. And God, God is saying, this guy, Jesus, he's going to get it done. He's got the right stuff. He's the right kind of person to accomplish my mission. That's the kind of servant I need. That's the kind of Savior that I'm looking for. That's Jesus. All right. Now, what does all this have to do with newness and resolutions and life change and all that stuff? Because I need a little help, man. It's January 12th. Skip ahead with me to verse 9. Let's just cheat and look at the end. Let's see how it ends. Verse 9. The former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. Brothers and sisters, God has secrets about us, about His Son that He's dying to tell. God wants to take you into his confidence. God wants to entrust you with something new. Don't you? Doesn't that raise the hair on the back of your neck? Come on, church. The former things have come to pass, right? 2019, she's gone. It's done. There ain't no redo, but you better file your taxes. 2020 has dawned. The former things have come to pass in my life. Former relationships have come to pass in my life. Heartaches have come to pass in my life. Loss has come to pass in my life. Good things and new adventures have come to pass. It's done. It's over. It's behind us. Our life is back there. For me, about 48 and a half years in the rearview mirror. And God says, new Things I now declare. Mm. Before they spring forth, I tell you. And God's not talking to Tim or Kathy or Nancy. God's talking to His Son. Before they spring forth, I tell you. God tells secrets to His Son. God communicates within God's self. Okay? We're Christians, you and I. We're Trinitarians. We believe this weird math. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three, one. Think on that. But within the Godhead, God speaks and confides in himself about you and I. But here's where, uh, here's where nosy folk like us 
get really lucky because God confides in us. You know, Jesus' followers were so broken up when he was getting ready to leave, and he said, this is the last supper, and I'm getting ready to go, and I've got to go, and I've got to die, and I've got to be on the cross, and, and I've got I've to I've suffer and die. And they weren't, they, no, no, they didn't get it. They were sad. They were weeping. They didn't understand. And he said, he said look, when I go, and it's best that I go, I'll send you another. You, you will not be orphans. I will give to you the presence and the power of my Holy Spirit. And he will take the things of the Father and he will confide them to you. He's the counselor. He's the comforter. He's the one that gives us the good news. And look, you and I today, 2020, we live in this age of the Spirit. This is still going on. God continues to speak. It's not done. It's not finished. I'm not going to believe what He tells you. I'm not going to put it on par with what's in here. But God is speaking to us. God is directing us. God is leading us. So before you say so-and-so is crazy, stop to think, maybe God is speaking to them. Maybe God is speaking through them. It doesn't come in the ways that we expect. But Peter, on the day of Pentecost, said, this is what Joel the prophet spoke about when he said, I will put my spirit on you, your sons and your daughters, young and old, women and men, all of them will prophesy. Because the spirit who in the Older Testament came and went and alit on someone and then left out comes to dwell and live in us. We who are born again have experienced the gift of God's Holy Spirit. God lives in us. And if God lives in me, that's heck of good, right? That changes everything. All bets are off. Okay, so you see, this is all about Jesus. It's a servant song. God speaking, being proud of His Son. What does that have to do with us? We turn to the New Testament for perspective and understanding. What does this mean? That's my grocery list. What does it mean? 2 Corinthians 5, verse 16. The apostle says, Therefore we regard no one from a human point of view. Even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view, we know Him no longer in that way. Verse 17, So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. Everything new has be, everything has become new. My friends, we are in Christ. So that means that we can joyfully, confidently read our own way into Isaiah 42, that God is speaking not only to Jesus, but to we who are in Jesus. And if God tells secrets to His Son, and we're in His Son, God tells secrets to us. And what, my friend, might the sovereign, almighty Lord God of the universe be whispering in your ear this morning? 
2019 is in the rear view mirror. The good, the bad, and the ugly, it's done. Put a fork in it. We're 12 days into a brand new decade. The 20s. What does that mean in your life? Look back over 2019, you had no idea what was going to happen. You had no control. Man, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and it was all of it, right? Former things have, have passed. That's gone. Let it go. Release it. And ask yourself what, what stands before you. I want you to endeavor to open your hearts to make room. We talked last week about making room. Making room in your life. Which means just creating perhaps a moment of stillness in the midst of your day. If you're like me, you're multitasking, right? You're brushing your teeth, you're checking your email, you're doing, you put the toast in and let that go while you do something else because every moment counts, right? We're in such a hurry. Slow down. Build into your day those moments. And allow God to speak to you. God is always speaking, still speaking. Are you listening? Something new is about to happen. Something good in the neighborhood. God is at work in your life. It might be painful. It's never going to be what you expected. You know why? You're not driving the bus, man. <laughs> you are not in control. You're just a passenger, like in the last row where it's really bumpy. That's where you're at. God is driving the bus. Mm. So what does this involve? It involves time. It involves intention. Set your intention. This, this is what I want to do. This is how I want to spend this year. I want to make space in my life for God. It's something about our pace. It means we're going to have to slow down a minute. We're going to build in time to listen. It means an openness, a level of openness that we've never had before. Because God speaks. God works in mysterious ways, right? You're not in control. You're just along for the ride. And the sooner you get used to that, the better off you're going to be. There's something new. Something going on. God is at work in our midst. Collectively, in the life of First Baptist Church, we're part of something happening, something good in this place, in this time. As individuals, God is at work. I want you, I want your confidence to grow. You are good enough to hear from God. You're a scoundrel and you're a wreck, but you're redeemed. And you're in Christ and the Spirit of God dwells in you and He loves you. He's madly, desperately in love with you. you it's just like that. And if you haven't had that level of affirmation in your life, get used to it with God. It's different. And with his people. West Side's here. I figure we can just go to like four, right, Ed? We just go seamlessly into the next service.
We return to the passage, Isaiah 42 and verse 1. Here is my servant, Jesus. Verse 5, thus says God the Lord who created the heavens and stretched them out, spread out the earth and what comes from them, who gives breath to the people upon it and spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I've taken you by the hand and kept you. I've given you as a covenant to the people, a light to the nations, to open eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison, those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to idols. is who God is. And Isaiah 42 is not just a conversation that we overhear about a father who's proud of his son. It's a manifest for our lives. And we can read our way into the text. I give you verse 9, Isaiah 42 verse 9. Homework, church. Write it out. I know we've got devices and pads and blahzy blah. Take a pen and a piece of paper, if you remember how, and write it down. <laughs> Isaiah 42, 9, and slap that up on your, on your mirror. Put it on your refrigerator. Write it on the tablet of your heart. Get a tattoo. You know the statistics about tattoos? Like 30% of millennials, and it's rising, maybe pushing 40% of millennials have tattoos. Get verse 9. That one's cool. Get that Bible verse on your wrist. Former things have come to pass, new things I now declare before they spring forth, I tell you of them. We're here, God, and we're gathered, and we are the church. And we want to know what you have to say to us. What do you say in our, in our grief? And in our loss, how, how are you speaking in that? How about our, our financial selves? What do you have to say about our, our material possessions, about the struggle that we have to stay above water in the Bay Area? What about our relationships? God, we want to hear from you about our, our intimate relationships. We want to hear about friendships, old and new. We want to hear about family dynamics. What do you have to say about relationships with those who are closest to us? What do you say in our sickness, God, when we're not well, when we're not 
in fine form. When we're laid up, when we're out of commission, God, you said your servants will bring healing and, and justice and righteousness to the nations. But we see abject poverty. We see tent cities, lots of them. We see people on the street corners, every intersection. We see people under employed not able to to do what they want to be doing but struggling to make ends meet we see people that don't feel welcome they don't feel like they belong people hearing a message that uh, there's no room in the end what do you say to that what do you say to us What do you say about conflict around the world and our part in it? What do, you say, what do you say about people that don't have water? What do you say about kids that uh, carry buckets for miles rather than go to school and learn? Church, would you say the Lord's Prayer with me? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, that we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, the glory forever. Amen.